The sponsor for the month is the Banner of Truth Trust. It is a high honor to preach God's Word, but the life of the pastor can still be pressured and tiring. The Banner of Truth Ministers Conference is designed to provide you with encouragement and rest. You will enjoy great fellowship from like-minded ministers and teaching from trusted preachers. Gather with us May 30th through June 1st in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, under the theme, Not Ashamed of the Gospel, and enjoy new friendships, find great banner books at exclusive prices, and recalibrate your heart for the ministry. Can't make it in May? Consider the West Coast Conference in October. Thinking about entering the ministry? Well, this is for you, too. Find out more at thebanneroftruth.org. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Hello, and welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. So glad that you guys are back with me today. I'm looking forward to this conversation that I'm going to have. It's actually going to be a conversation where I'm going to be learning about uh, the the gentleman that I'm interviewing. I'm talking to Adam Ray. He happens to be a pastor and he's a part of the organization. He's going to tell us about hunting, hunting the harvest. And I'm just looking forward to getting to know him. Uh, Adam, how's it going, man? It's going fantastic. Thanks for having me on today. Good deal. Well, we're going to go ahead and pray, ask for the Lord's help. I want to hear a little bit about your story, your family and ministry, and then we'll get into some talk on hunting as well. Sound good? Great. Okay, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. I ask for a blessing upon the conversation. Thank you for a brother and a friend and all that you're doing in and through him and going to continue to do. Very excited to hear about it. And for everyone that's listening, God, thank you that they've chosen to come back here to just uh, hear, listen, and be encouraged. And I pray that that would happen. And God, ultimately, we want you to be honored and glorified. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm kind of in the same boat here with with my audience, Adam, why don't you go ahead and bring me up to speed a little bit. Tell us about yourself and your family and then what it is that you do. Fantastic. This is uh, my 23rd year as a student ministry pastor. Um, pastored in Lansing, Michigan for about 16 years. Uh, was in Kentucky for a couple of years and then God's called us up here to Traverse City. We've been here a little over uh, three years, about three and a half years. And um, very thankful for the spot that God has us in in this season. Um, married, have three Older kids, um, 19, 18, and 15. And then uh, this past year, God blessed us and surprised us with a little bonus baby. So I also have a six-month-old. So awesome. yeah, we're uh, playing the uh, well done. the young parent world again. But uh, our um, main focus here at Harvest for myself, I have the junior high, senior high, and then our uh, 20s ministry. And then we do a preaching rotation in the main services about every three to four weeks. I'll, I'll preach in the main service, just like this last Sunday. And uh, God's really blessing here and seeing a lot of uh, a lot of growth, which is encouraging. Um, and look forward to him literally helping us transform this community. Amen. Praise God. So you are, I tell you, a youth ministry, student ministry warrior. You've been in it for a while and you stayed in it. Yep. So it seems like you're keeping your head above water. Uh, has it been, I guess, highs and lows for you? You've been in different ministry stops, but is that kind of your goal long-term to stay stay with that and stick with that? Um, I firmly believe that a lot of our time can be wasted looking for the next thing instead of uh, just trying to grow and thrive where God has us in the current season. And um, 
I also believe that youth ministry is not like a stop on the ladder to something different. So until God redirects our steps or or puts us in a different place, this is um, what I believe God's called me to, and he's given me ability to continue to you know, connect with kids and teenagers specifically, um, even though I'm in my 40s now, which just feels weird to say. Yeah, brother, I'm 40 later this year, and it is, I tell you, you know, everybody says every single passing year that time flies, and it certainly does yep. with, uh, with those years. So with student ministry, yeah, just to pick your brain a little bit, I was a youth ministry major and never been in youth ministry and uh, stumbled upon Vody Bauckham, Family Driven Faith. And I went you know, through a season where I like got hands up, youth ministry, done, never going there, never doing that. And youth ministry can done be done better and worse. It can be done in such a way that's siloed off and doesn't equip families, and it can be done in better ways. So where, where are you at on the spectrum there? Just uh, curious as, as to how you do youth ministry without subtly communicating to fathers in particular that you are the primary discipler of the families. How do you, how do you walk that line? I think the most important part of that is to over communicate that we're um, we're a support to the family and our responsibility is not to raise kids according to God's word. Our responsibility is to support what is being taught in the home. For some homes, um, the first ministry that I was at, predominantly the kids that were in that ministry were from uh, very broken homes, more inner city directed ministry. So, you know, you're, you almost play a role of dad for a lot of those kids that don't have dads, um, or at least one that, you know, that gives them any reason to look up to them. And which is interesting long-term now, you know, some of those kids were um, seventh, eighth grade when you first start working with them. And now, you know, doing their weddings and sitting on uh, ordination councils for their, if they're going to the ministry or whatever, uh, so that there's a beauty in that longevity in youth ministry, but the supporting aspect of it is over communicating what we're doing from a long term. So goals wise, setting it out like uh, over the next six months, this is what we're going to be teaching. Make sure that parents have materials that you're teaching uh, any questions that they need to have as far as like, all right, you taught this last night. My son asked mm-hmm. this. How do we uh, get more involved as a family in specifically administering that in, in our lives um, and just building relationships with the parents uh, to the best of our abilities? Um, you know, it's not a, uh, a perfect scenario where everybody's right. on board, but generally, you know, a lot of the, uh, youth ministries lead with entertainment and the truth and teaching is the weak part of it. Um, in 23 years, I've never even, uh, we don't have a band. We don't play music at all. We just uh, really focus on intentional relationships with the kids right from the get go. Uh, when they come in, we're making sure that each kid is individually greeted. We've talked to them about their week and we take about a 15 minute um break or time at the front end of all of our student ministry where leaders can really engage with the students and then um, draw them together, preach to them. Um, and then we d- divide up into a, a small group setting to really take the practical parts of what was, we're taught and see how they're going to apply that throughout the week. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a, a very successful model. Um, and, you know, this is like a, a very, very basic thing, but make sure you know your kids' names. Yeah, you know, right. On the, the first time they tell you your name, you need to, if you struggle with names, make sure there's a, a method that you have that uh, you can get those names written down. So the next time they walk in, you can just watch their eyes literally light up uh, when you recall their names, especially some of them that are a little more tricky to remember. 
Um, but that, that process has been super successful. Um, you know, and obviously even in praying about it this morning, like God, you've utilized this, you've allowed me to be a part of this ministry and part of seeing youth ministry grow in this way for a lot of years, but I don't want to become tunnel vision either. Like this is my way, my idea. Um, if there's better ways to uh, engage the students and see growth there, then, you know, I want to be on board with it as long as it's aligns, you know, doctrinally and biblically. Right. Yeah. That's helpful to hear and and hear that you've processed and thought through how to be supplemental, not primary and how to equip rather than, uh, you know, whatever the reverse of equip would be, but, uh, really almost like muscle atrophy or something like that, where, you know, in such a professionalized everything world, it is easy for fathers in particular to feel inequipped, ill-equipped to do what God's called them to do. So that the, the language that you're using, I think is helpful to communicate that we're, we're coming alongside of you rather than taking your children from you, which is, you know, critical. Yeah, no critical. And we, you know, a lot of times we, um, almost, uh, you know, bad mouth, but you, you don't like some of the organizations that are out there because they become parachurch. And if we're not careful, student ministry be- can become parachurch in a hurry right. as well. It's right. kind of running on, on silo, as you mentioned earlier. So, yep. Uh, okay. So I got an email from a listener about two or three weeks ago. And at some point I want to have him on the show and he was sitting in a deer blind. He said, I haven't been hunting for about 30 years and I've been listening to the show. And I talked to my wife, talked to my kids. They were excited about it. We, are out sitting for the first time uh, as a family in a deer blind hunting. And my kids, when I, my youngest son just got his first deer and we're just having a blast with it. And it was just a incredibly, just tremendously uh, encouraging email. It was all, I mean, God, God, thank you. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Cause most of my content is geared towards pastoral ministry. And then the hunting stuff is just developed as I naturally want to talk about stuff, talking to guys like you. And, and uh, so hunting has become a part of my life. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is you're in ministry and also hunting. And so guys, I was looking around on Instagram and I had Jeremy Morris from Yukon River Knives on the show and ran a sponsorship with them. Well, I, uh, somehow or another, I think it was through Jeremy said, you need to talk to this guy, Adam. And then I see that, you know, you have Yukon River Knives in your, your bio and was just kind of looking around on there. And I thought, man, this guy, I need to, I need to talk to this guy. So you got this hunting thing called hunting the harvest and you got, just tell me about your history if you grew up hunting, what, what that was like. And I'm sure that you've had guys that you've helped along the way in this uh, process towards getting to, to the field or to, you know, not just to the field, but in the woods as well. But tell us your history with hunting and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Uh, grew up the first nine years of my life in Covington, Indiana, just, uh, just east of Danville, Illinois. So right on that oh, yeah. line and um, grew up in a farm community, about 2000 people in that a little community that we were in. My dad was a youth pastor there and um, grandpa was pastoring a church about 45 miles east of where we were at. Um, the idea of deer hunting was a pretty far fetched idea. Didn't see deer hardly ever out there in that time frame. Okay. And, uh, but these guys small game hunted like crazy rabbit hunting and squirrel hunting and, and bird hunting of different kinds, mainly quail in that time frame. Um, and so that's what I got into at five years old, walking down fence rows, carrying a, a 22 rifle, which, uh, is not the best, um, choice for a little kid running around, uh, on fence rows, but that was what, uh, what I could carry. And, you know, my dad spent, had spent t- a lot of time with me with gun safety and those things. 
And then I killed my first rabbit uh, when I was six. Uh, one, uh, you know, just perfectly with, ran with that twenty-two. My, with that twenty-two, yep, ran out of a brush pile and decided to stop and stand still and let me get uh, get my sights set on him. So, and then you know, from that point on, early on, I was hooked in the outdoors, like anything that related to it, fishing, hunting, or whatever. I was in all in, but um, that was kind of the uh, culminating hook. And then mm-hmm. my dad says that he, if he'd ever guessed how obsessed I'd be with the outdoors, he would have tried to steer me some other way, but I don't, I don't know that that would have had, uh, had the right effect. So gotcha. I probably would have gotten in a lot of trouble, but, uh, nice. Good. So then from that point, um, when we were nine, we moved to Michigan, um, got invited to hunt on some people's different people's property and just started to develop my own love for, uh, archery world specifically. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's, you know, my biggest passion and, uh, then being able to train the boys and teach archery clinics and mm-hmm. train kids. Um, we've had over a thousand kids go through our archery clinics and, um, utilize those in wild game dinners and a lot of different ways to help introduce people to this sport that I love. Yeah, man, that's great. So up in Michigan, I know there's some big deer up there that that guy that it's un, it's unverified. There's big controversy around it. The guy that got the biggest ever. I forget the guy's name, but Mitch he, Rampola. Yeah, the Rampola buck. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. I heard Stephen Ranella talking about it and looked yeah. it up a little bit. So what do, what do you think, man? Was that was that uh, the real deal or was that not a chance? Not a chance, huh? Okay, that's so, pretty definitive. You heard it from here, folks. He lives about eight miles from where I'm sitting right now. So uh, is he still out there? Still at it? Yeah. So the the area doesn't believe it then the the people that are there boots on the ground, nope. Really? Okay. Wow. So yeah, Mitch. That's his name, right? Mitch. Yep. Yeah. So is he still? I mean, he's still out in the woods hunting though. Oh yeah. Man, that's wild. So I wonder what. Yeah, he's in his guy. he's in his seventies at this point. Okay. Um, and I have I've met him one time. Haven't had detailed conversations. I've I've uh, I literally um, there's several podcasts recently that have done some pretty deep dives into the whole world. But when you look at the, the uh, evidence, photographically speaking, and mm-hmm. then also some of the way that things were done in that time frame, not letting anybody really do uh, deep research on this buck. Like I just, uh, I don't believe that it's, mm-hmm. that it's real something tampered with there. Hmm. That, that's, it's a fascinating story though. You can kind of go down that rabbit hole and look into it and, and read about it and have a lot of fun with it. But very interesting. Yep. Okay. So with hunting the harvest then, so I'm talking to guys that in pastoral ministry, there, there is a, in fact, I just had an episode where I was talking to my buddy, Bo, we're talking about how in ministry you, you have this, uh, you're, you're not in, nobody's in ministry for money. They shouldn't be unless they're, you know, the, the heretics kind of thing. And yet there is this, this good desire. We have three children. You have three children or now I guess you're fourth. Um, and you're looking forward in the future and wanting to help them, wanting to, to be in the position one day to help your grandchildren. A, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, uh, King Solomon says. And so a lot of guys that I'm talking to are building side, side hustles and they're trying to you know get these other things off the ground and, and trying to think ways, whether it's productive property and owning uh, and, and buying rentals or Airbnbs or, or whatever. We're doing this thing with campers right now where we're trying to rent out mm-hmm. campers and know, the side hustle thing. Uh, how, how do you balance those? Once you're going to just tell us, I mean, obviously what you're doing now is grown out of a love for hunting and your, your formal work and is ministry. And I'm sure these things intersect a little bit at some point, but Absolutely. how do you keep those things? You know, I mean, if you're getting, if you're going out on trips to hunt, you know, that, that, that comes with a cost. 
Uh, mm-hmm. You're leaving your family and you got to have vacation time, whatever it may be. So h- how do you, how does there a symbiotic nature between what you're doing with, with both those things? Yeah. So um, I'll kind of start back a little background on hunting the harvest. The, the goal of that, you know, you shoot a big buck and have it mounted, you put it on the wall and the, we all speak often in, in sermons about the temporal versus the eternal. And a lot of the pursuit of game though it, it feeds me and I and I enjoy it and there's quality time spent in creation and time spent with God but ultimately you know as soon as you shoot a big buck the it's not a day before I'm planning to find another buck to shoot because it's it's just not a lasting uh yeah. satisfaction like uh things that are eternal and so just really praying about like the vanity of you know hunting can become a vain pursuit if it's uh not couched in this framework of ultimate eternal value. And um, so we started talking about how we could take the, our love and passion for the outdoors and, and share the gospel through that and uh, started with one wild game dinner. And then it's just um, exploded from there. And um, I have been to a lot of wild game dinners. I've spoken at 60 um, some wild game dinners and one of the things that I think is a huge miss is if we don't clearly articulate the the gospel through the stories that we're sharing and mm-hmm. really just create a platform for that church to build from foundationally, like, okay, you've heard the gospel, men will receive the gospel that night, but obviously, you know, discipleship needs to take place and, and the growth of that person's walk with Christ needs to take place. Not just a, a great, I was at a wild game and I got saved one time and that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that's where hunting the harvest kind of took off. And then speaking at wild game dinners, doing um, archery clinics in some of those wild game dinners before I speak. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of the summer camp stuff, working with different ministries, um, utilizing that to open up, open the door for sharing the gospel. And one of the um, tools there, Romans 3.23 for all of a sudden falls short, that idea of falling short is the missing the mark. And so I use Mm -hmm. um, archery a lot in kind of opening, opening the communication about our, how we are before God in our fallenness um, and seeing what God can do through uh, archery over the years has been phenomenal. Yeah. And that's great. So is it something for you that can grow into? Is it, is it been something that has been, you know, obviously something you enjoy, but has this been another revenue stream for you? Are you thinking, what could this be in the future? Do I transition out of ministry, formal ministry at the church? Cause you know, here I am, in our church, we, we've got these clear generational breakdowns. We have people from all over, like we, we've got from, from the oldest, almost 70 to babies galore everywhere. We have seven ladies pregnant right now at the church and a lot of young families and just ha- having a blast. When I am in my mid fifties, though, the bulk of the young boys are going to be in their mid twenties. And and I'm thinking through, okay, we, we've got to have, we already have a process of becoming an elder at our church. We've got to have, a, have this process, though, where, where they've got a seat at the table. Young leaders will lead. They'll find a place to lead. And, they, and if they get stiff-armed at a, at a local assembly, they'll find somewhere else that they can lead mm-hmm. because they love God's people. They love the church. They want to take responsibility. And if I'm not willing to give them responsibility and call them up into that, well, then they're going to go and move on. So at some point, I've got to, I've got to figure out here what I can do in my mid-50s to supplement income and see this, this build and and into retirement, I've got to have some retirement revenue stream. So I'm, I'm working through that, thinking through that. Yeah. So for, for you, is, is hunting the harvest something that you've got plans for to expand? I mean, what, what is it in 10 years and how do you get there? Yeah, we, um, we've prayed about this multiple times, even when my ministry 
in uh, um, Lansing. You know, I've been there 16 years, prayed a lot about whether I was going to take the lead pastorate there. Um, do the circumstances that were there, it felt um, not the right timing for that. Um, and yet, uh, every time that we come to this kind of place of unrest, I'm like, all right, God, is it time now for me to step into this as a full-time um, ministry and uh, prayerfully consider that? I love traveling and, and preaching uh, at these types of events. Um, I believe God has uh, given me a gift at even storytelling and being able to re-communicate things that I witness in the outdoors and tie those into uh, what God would have us to share as relates to the gospel specifically in those environments. Um, but as far as a revenue stream, I would say, um, you know, it, it hasn't, it's maybe a small supplement at this point. Um, I, honestly, the financial, uh, expenses on, on some of these hunts, you know, we went to Alaska this year in September, the boys and I did, we hunted on uh, Kodiak Island. Oh, um, and then I got to hunt, uh, Iowa this year as well. Ooh. Um, but Those the hunting public guys are out in, in Iowa. That's some big deer yeah, out there. Yeah, that's pretty wild out there. Um, but all of that, we I have a building background, and okay. um, so we've done a lot of uh construction projects and building decks and remodels and bathrooms and um additions on homes for people, things like that. And then that also gives me opportunity with my boys that are 19 and 18 to. Uh, train them and um, great. some of the the different kind of work that that is as far as there's a different level of strenuous labor that's involved. Um, but having a goal, setting a goal, accomplishing the goal, and then reaping the rewards of it, I think is a, a very valuable lesson for them to say, hey, this is something I really want to do. I can work and make it happen regardless of where I'm at in life. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have an incredibly um, gracious wife that understands my need for experiencing the wild in as often as possible. And so she's super supportive in uh, helping us achieve those goals as well. So, and this year was crazy. Like we didn't, we'd been planning this Alaska trip for two years. Obviously I didn't plan for a child to be born. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're, uh, you know, being told you couldn't have any more kids. And then all of a sudden 15 years later, we were with a child. So um, but, uh, God just really has blessed us with a, a family here as a church that's helped support as well through, yeah. uh, uh, some of those changes in our lives. So how, what is, what role then has, has, and, and by the way, about the future and, and for everyone, you know, the audience, God provides, you know, as we build and trust the Lord, it's easy to make the James mistake of this year, I will do this and that and, and the other thing. And, you know, we build and we plan, but in the end, we're trusting that the provision that God has, has brought to us leading up to where we're at right now, that God will do that as well. And our same story will be, you know, told in 10, 15 years of God's provision. God's provided, taking care of us. And he always does that. It's always fun, though, in the process to see how he's going to do that. And, you know, I think it is wise to be thinking about, you know, the, the things that I threw out there in revenue streams and all that kind of stuff. But no it's neat to see and, and get caught up in what God is, is up to. So for you, your sons are involved in uh, in this as well. So what role has raising your family and, and hunting, how, how has that played into their discipleship and building them, you know, as people? Um, I would say the, well, there's multiple ways. How long do we have? Um, so <laughs> we could, I always joke, you know, we can rogue in this thing and we can, you know, yeah. extend this out three or four hours if we need to. Good. Uh, I think when, when you process where our world is at, 
um, just starting from a very basic pr principle, the fact that, you know, the, our family unit uh, loves our time together and our quality time together. Uh, we can say, well, I built this on God's word and we did, but the practical application of that is uh, us for our home has been uh, our mutual passion for the outdoors and our love for the outdoors. And so we're always building together, working towards the next goals and achieving those goals. Um, and when we, because they're impassioned by uh, the flight of an arrow or whatever, um, you know, the particulars are of what the, the activity that we're pursuing, whether it's uh, duck hunting or we're climbing a mountain to shoot blacktail deer or whatever it is, um, because they're, they have that passion that was in, instilled in them at a very young age, you know, it wasn't optional, uh, when they were three and four, like I, I can remember specific times where I was carrying one on the front and then the other was in a backpack and we're busting nice. through corner fields to go check trail cameras. And, nice. and they just grew up in that culture of, of loving it. And my oldest is, uh, uh, sophomore at, at Cornerstone university and pre-med, um, plays baseball there, but his, um, he, like he loves hunting so much that it's it can hurt his and fishing but it can hurt his uh, academic um uh the the whole process for him mm -hmm. like he has to literally shut it down he'll message me a a video that he just saw from first light or something and i'm like dude you're in you're in organic chemistry right now like what are you doing <laughs> Get back to work focus um but that uh that love you know my 18 year old shoots for a trap team locally. And uh, then last night we, we shoot in an archery league together. Um, but like, I try to step back and think, okay, if I didn't have hunting and fishing in my life, what would the connections have been with my kids? Mm -hmm. And, we, you know, we love athletics and stuff too, but my oldest really took that uh, path in mm -hmm. baseball. And we spent a lot of time in that, but the other two don't really have, uh, you know, they play sports, but they don't care about them as much. Um, and I don't have as much input in that practice. And, you know, there's only so many ways we can practice trap shooting together. Yeah. And my point simply is just that it created for us this unit of um, close connection in the family tie that has carried over then into being able to communicate uh, in a whole lot clearer way, the spiritual emphasis that we have and the opportunity to really enjoy God for who he is and what he's created for us. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have to point out a sunrise in the morning when we're sitting on the side of a hill waiting, they're pointing out the sunrise and they're pointing yeah. out the author of that sunrise, the creator of that sunrise. I don't have to point out the, um, you know, the things that we would put in under the, the um, title of irreducible complexity. Like they're amazed by creation and mm -hmm. the things that they see in creation um, and the study of that, even the processes of making a scrape and rubbing the preorbital glands that we see a deer do every year, like that, that stuff just is fascinating more so because it's, a uh, created into that animal, into that being that's roaming those woods that we, uh, fall in love with chasing. Mm -hmm. Um, and the more we study it, the more we see God's handiwork. Um, but, and that's, um, which leads to like, you know, our family time where we're spent in God's word, a lot of our conversations, even about what we're thankful about, go back to the outdoors because it's something we spend so much time doing. Mm -hmm. uh, yet at the same time, there's a closeness in relationship that I uh, have with my kids that um, like I'm in awe of what God has done in that as it relates to uh, what I watch and witness as a youth 
pastor and see the relationships broken. I'm just incredibly thankful for uh, how God is blessed. And I, I believe that uh, being able to make those ties spiritually with what we're passionate about in the outdoors and, and seeing um, God work in building and that bond even stronger has um, made a huge impact in our lives that way. Mm, that's awesome. So much fun. You know, on the front end of this, we have younger children thinking about what God's going to do in my boys and my daughter and, and hopefully more children that God may give. It's just a lot of fun thinking through that, looking through that in the future. And and man, we're having a blast right now and just looking forward to, you know, really with each stage, there's, you can look back and lament that stages are over, but with each stage going into even a new decade now this year, there's a lot to anticipate and mm -hmm. a lot to thank the Lord for about what he's already done. And boy, with those memories, building those with my kids, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Okay. Let's, uh, let's, let's turn the corner here, Adam, a little bit. Okay. I want to come back to ministry stuff and I'm just going to ask you two more questions here and then we'll wrap things up. It's amazing time for like, we've been on, we got in here late. We I got the wrong time, central Eastern time zone missed up, mixed up here. And I'm looking at the clock here and we're almost 30 minutes, like 30 something minutes in already. It's just amazing how quick time flies. So uh, yeah. I'm just going to throw these, these final questions your way. What would you, you've been in ministry for a while now. You've mm -hmm. got an audience of pastors listening in, you know, by way of encouragement, what would you have to say to them based on what you're assessing they may or may not need? What would be a word of encouragement that you would just throw their way uh, before we part ways here? Um, been thinking a lot about uh, depend the word dependency lately. Um, we in the periods of time of ministry, uh, you know, over two decades now, which is, uh, by God's grace alone, there have been many times that I'm like, okay, I, I have skill sets elsewhere. I can go build something. I can take off and make money doing this. And, and, you know, I've, I've served my time in ministry and yet each time that we go through, uh, uh, a low point, there is a new developed dependency that is, um, uh, that draws me to a relationship level with God that I, I never would have expected. You know, I feel like I'm in a good relationship with God. And then you see a whole different side that you're like, Oh my word. Like there's so much of just the daily dependency that I, mm. I, um, lean solely on my own abilities and gifting or strength or whatever. Um, I, I think of it from this standpoint, there was a point in time in uh, Alaska this year. Um, we were on, we had climbed over, I promise this is a hunting story with a stronger spiritual. Hey, side that's too. all right, man. Go for it. <laughs> but we, we had climbed this mountain and uh, we were glassing from the top of the ridges looking for black tailed deer. And during the day after that sun kind of creeps up on the days that there actually was sun, um, the deer get down in these alder thickets and willows and they bed down and you're just glassing, looking for this little spot of orange that you might see through and then picking out, is this the buck I want to pursue? And we had crested, about four mountain peaks, just walking the ridge lines, and the views are unbelievable. And we finally spot this buck that I want to shoot. So um, we get around, get set up, get a shot, kill the buck, climb down into the valley on the other side of this mountain, through this alder thicket that's disgusting, willows, quarter the deer, pack it out. And then as we're packing out, we are trying to decide like a... Um, a path out that not only one gets us back to our spike camp in daylight with all the grizzlies that are around, mm -hmm. but also um, is the safest route. 
And so we decided to take this long angle kind of across the face of these mountains, achieving, right. arriving at the peak above our spike camp and then drop down there. Well, as we're hitting this um, long angle, we get into some shale rock and the first few, probably hundred yards, you know, the rocks would slide a little bit as you would step, but it, you know, you're walking on a pretty steep angle, they're sliding, but you're still feeling pretty good. And then we get into this really loose patch where I can't, um, every step forward, I'm watching the rocks tumble and then disappear off the edge. Mm -hmm. And I, I have about 80 pounds on my back, got trekking poles and stuff, but I'm, I'm so overweighted that I didn't want to shift my weight and even turn around and, and go back. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're kind of stuck in this, um, paralyzed state, almost of fear. And obviously we survived and we get through the shale rock, but on the other side of it, we sat down, uh, get the jet boil out. Make I had uh, uh, blueberry dumplings from mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> one of the, you know, dehydrated meals, and uh, just thinking through everything that I had just been through. And I mentioned to Matt, the buddy that I was with, that wouldn't it be amazing if we lived every moment of every day in the level of dependency that I was at in that moment? Because literally every step. I'm stopping and saying, God, like guide this step. I don't, don't want to mm -hmm. step on the wrong rock. Yeah, I want to get right. home to my little baby. I want to, I, I have so much more life that I want to live. And I've made a poor choice. My foolishness has brought me to unnecessary suffering, you know, yeah, yeah. but, um, but God, would you bring me to a place where I lean in that level of dependency on you? And I think for us in, in ministry, um, we, you know, we even look at numbers, uh, I've watched youth groups grow to, you know, 150, 160. I've watched youth groups grow to 20 and mm -hmm. you're like, well, what is going on? Am I doing something wrong? And, and you begin to just start questioning everything. And it comes back to, uh, just a faithful dependency. Anything that we have of success is because God has allowed it and enabled it through his grace in our lives and our ministries. And, uh, that has, um, helped me through some really, you know, tough seasons, but also, mm -hmm. Um, and I say tough seasons, we've been incredibly blessed through the years for what God's doing. Um, but, uh, when I get to a place of discouragement, it's typically because I've been relying on what I have or my ability mm -hmm. yeah. that tendency on him. Yeah. Um, and he brings us back to that place pretty quickly. So we can Amen. get back to work. That's good. That's really good. Well, I'm going to leave you with a setup to do what you've already been doing, but we always want to end. I always want to end with praising God for his grace in our life. So here's the question. This is the setup. I put it on a tee for you, hit it out of the park. Jeremy or Jeremy, you're not Jeremy, Adam, Adam, why do you love Jesus so much, brother? Um, the, the work that God has done in my life, in, uh, in family and home, in what Jesus Christ accomplished for, for me on the cross, being able to communicate that to people and then watching as the work of the gospel literally transforms lives. Um, it, it's such a driving force behind what and how I do ministry. When you watch homes that are absolutely broken, be restored and only by God's grace and only through obedience to his word, um, you want to talk about energizing. Uh, it, it presses you to a, a place that's, you know, I get emotional thinking about what God's doing. Um, but there's nothing else that this world has to offer that transforms a heart and a life like the work of the gospel yeah. and being able to communicate that with people and share is, uh, it's the driving 
force behind all that we do and Mm -hmm. watching God, he doesn't, we don't deserve anything. Yeah. And yet he faith, he is faithful to his word. Um, that just helps impassion that love for him. Amen. It's good stuff. Well, thanks a ton uh, for coming on. Why don't you go ahead before we go, want to give you an opportunity tell us where we can find out more about you, find you on, on Instagram or wherever it is that we can get more information about you if, if we want it. Awesome. I'm uh, hunting the harvest on Instagram and Adam E. Ray on Facebook. Um, Don't do a whole lot of promotion other than those things. So you can reach out to us there. And uh, obviously you have my contact. If somebody reaches out to you, they're more and more welcome to holler. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes, guys. Thanks so much for listening in. Please consider leaving, leaving a rating and review. If you've not yet signed up for that banner of truth giveaway, you can go ahead and follow the link in the show notes and that will take you to the giveaway page. John Calvin's sermons on the book of Job, really great set like banner of truth always puts out. You want to check that out. And, uh, and along the way, why don't you go ahead and buy some other books as well. If you can just follow those links and uh, I'll include those that just, that uh, Adam just mentioned as well. Thanks so much for listening. And Adam, thanks for coming on the show, brother. Appreciate the opportunity, my friend.